Hey guys, welcome back to a brand new episode of Bad History. Bad History. I am joined this week, like every single other week we record, I'm joined with my best friend and esteemed colleague, Dave. What's going on, man? What's going on, Steven? How are you doing? Yo, I'm doing I'm doing really, really well. Uh, how are you? I'm doing great. Good, good, good. Uh, so this week we have um, kind of a change of plans, I would say. Uh, oh, yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> Guys, we, we fucked up. We didn't really fuck up. I mean, we didn't fuck up in like the traditional sense. Like we, we've done it. We, we, we've goofed up pretty hard bef- worse before, I think. So anyway, after talking about it a little bit, we decided to change the subject for this week's episode of Bad History. Uh, not for any sort of creative difference or anything like that. We just had trouble giving you guys a really good definition of failed colony that we could both agree on. And it was cutting down to the wire and we just said, scrap it. So this week, Stephen, as it is our 20th episode. Mm-hmm. It is it's crazy. We decided to do a callback, an old callback, yeah. an old throwback to something we mentioned doing a while ago. We are bringing back round two of historical misconceptions. All right, that's all we can do or else we're going to be sued. We are so we are doing historical misconceptions again. I think it was episode seven. Was it? If if memory serves, episode seven is when we did historical misconceptions last. What and, did you do, Stephen? Um, I talked about how big of an asshole Christopher Columbus is. Very good. I talked about yeah. the real Spanish and English Armada history. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this week um, we're going to be doing much the same. Two different topics, telling a story about some bad history. That. Yeah, of course. I mean, don't expect good history. <laughs> don't expect good history. <laughs> You've come to the wrong podcast if you're expecting good history. That's goodhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Their names are uh, Doove and Stave. Check them out. <laughs> they post I on heard, Thursdays. I heard, I heard Stave's a real asshole. Dude, fuck Stave. He's got that creepy mustache. <laughs> he's, got the, he's got the weird mustache. And, like, it doesn't that, that... connect in the middle all the way. <laughs> the reverse hitler <laughs> it's a fashion statement so this week we're doing historical misconceptions again we talked about um, this but first steven yeah. you gotta know what did i do this <laughs> week Dave, <I> got <laughs> uh. <laughs> this is a this is a silly episode we're just a bunch of goofballs silly episode episode just 20 goof, just 20 weeks around 20 plus weeks of this bullshit. 23 weeks. No. More yeah, than 20, that. 20, no, no, 20, 23 weeks, not including like the one episode that we've missed. Guys, we've missed only one episode. I don't like to toot my own horn, but that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like 20 weeks, man. What is that 20 like? 20 weeks. What is, what is that like? 18 months? That's crazy. Yeah, 20 weeks is like 18 months. Exactly. I mean, I'm no that's mathematician. Math. That's science. That's geometry right there. A science baby right there. Shapes. All right, Dave. I, this I, week. I, I got to know. You got to tell me. How you, how's your week going? Uh, my week was really super cool. Um, Played a lot of video games. I watched a lot of movies. I read a lot of books. Uh, I went on adventures. I saw my cool. Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 in theaters. D- did you really? Yeah, dude. 
How was the, it? It was it was okay. So <laughs> it's I was not, reading the reviews. It's not a great movie by any means. It's not a movie I would recommend to somebody who didn't really enjoy the first one. But if you did enjoy the first one, it's like one of those fan service movies. So the first one is like 15 years old and they got every single actor back, which in itself is a crazy feat considering some of them were like in their 70s and 80s last time. They were like old ass motherfuckers. Yeah. And they all got back and it was super sweet and it was like seeing a bunch of old friends because my big fat Greek wedding is really, um, it's really important to like uh, Mediterranean culture families. Because they're all the same. Italians and Greeks and Jews and it, they're all the same. They're all the fucking same. They're all the same people, trust me. So they're all la- they're all the ones being loud at the restaurant. They're <laughs> all the ones with the kids who won't fucking sit down and they got the old guy who's like always smoking indoors. Fuck that. And I think I think we should take this time to let to remind everybody that you're Jewish. They they know. I mean, I, I well, I think we should remind people so that you're oh, they don't think I'm like, being racist? Yeah, so you're not just, like, trashing. Or jingoist, like, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> you're one of them my... self, self-hating Jews. Yeah, it's my family, pretty much. And it's if you're from... If your family's from that area, it's your family, too. And Kat and I love that movie, so we went to go see it, and we enjoyed ourselves. Uh, we've been playing a lot of video games. We've been playing a lot of Super Smash Brothers. We've been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption. We've been playing a lot of Dragon Ball Z Budokai. <laughs> we've been just fucking around with video games a lot <laughs> this week. We, we've been jumping around. Nice. We even played a lot of Vice City. Fucking Vice City is so good. The soundtrack for Vice City will make your pants fly off and start dancing on their own. Aside from that, I haven't really. I think that was that's all that I did of worth and note this week. But Stephen, yes, I got I got to know. Did you watch any movies? Did you read any good books, or did you play any good video games this week? Uh, yeah. So I am uh, on spring break break this week, Dave. Spring break. Woo! Uh, let me let me tell you, summertime and the living's easy. Um. <laughs> And uh, I'm on spring break. It's been a long time coming, and it's been really nice. Just I, I went to Charleston. I'm in Charleston until like Wednesday, I think. Um, I'm gonna head back to Columbia, but it's been it's been awesome, dude. I I've got I've have you know what I had some me time. Oh yeah. You know what I, I had I had some me time, and I actually I was able to finish The Martian, which uh, I'd been kind of reading sporadically. Okay, the book. Yeah yeah, 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 the book. I, I like, I like, I started it over like driving back from Christmas, like vacation with my family. Uh, and then like I would read it sporadically, like I'd read like 80 pages of it in like a sitting and then not read it again for a while. Mm. Um, but I finally finished it. I sat down last night and finished it, and it's incredible. If you've seen the movie, read the book. It's, it's different enough from the movie where you're not going to get bored. But it's like still got all the charm of the movie, so it's really good. Um, Dude, I have started and not finished so many books. I've, I'm like the worst. Yeah, at that. I'm really I, bad I, at that. I, I think it's like a pretty common problem for <laughs> like people who aren't. You know, like you either love like are weirdly obsessed with reading, or yeah. you you do like this bullshit where you'll 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 like get like 50 pages into a book, and then. 
like you remember that you have like TV and a computer. Well, and... it's not only that, but I I also have like no qualms about not liking a book and then stopping reading it. Like doesn't matter oh, how much time sure. I've dedicated to it. So like very often I've been like, oh, this book looks cool. It looks like up my alley and I start reading it. And then by like 40, 50 pages, I'm like, nah, it's not, nah, for, me. not for me. This turned yeah. into some Danielle Steele bullshit out of nowhere. <laughs> Danielle Steele. Yes. What are some of her, what are some of her classics? She writes like the, um, you know, like, romance masturbatory aid books oh okay okay so it's like the like the the socially acceptable pornography it's like not even that bad but it's just like every time you go over to like um an older woman's house in the, the south t- they t- always t- aunt marie's house she's got like the the, 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 the floor to ceiling bookshelf of the guy with the long hair whose shirt's open he's like riding a horse yeah fabio books yeah the fabio books i can't believe it's not butter yeah yeah but so that's kind of um been what i've been doing i've just been hanging out playing lots of borderlands i'm probably going to keep playing once we end this this (laughs) shit and uh but that's enough of us kind of going on about our lives let's jump into some people who are already dead yeah let's get the misconception let's get those misconceptions going we'll get the we'll get the misconceptions and we'll straighten them out we'll beat them beat them into shape yeah Play that music. Let's play that music. Okay, Stephen. Yeah, what's up? So, one of the big historical misconceptions that really bugs me is the Salem Witch Trials. Yeah. <laughs> cackle, cackle. Yeah, I know. It bugs me, too, because that's just liberal propaganda. They didn't actually happen. Okay, I got some literature that I really want you to read. Don't taste me, bro. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, the Salem Witch Trials is this thing that happened, and everybody in America knows about it, but most what people think they know is wrong. And I want to clear the air about it. I want to tell you what it is, when it is, and what exactly happened, and... Con- contradict and contrast this new information that you have to what you might think. So, well, that was this, a lot of words you just said there. <laughs> the Salem witch trials start in February of 1692 CE and end around May 1693 CE. This takes place in Massachusetts, the Massachusetts colony, in and around Salem town. So, around Salem Town also includes Salem Village, Ipswich, and Andover. And <clears throat> the basic historical image that we might think of the Salem Witch Trials is a bunch of pilgrims <laughs> burning a bunch of women at the stake yeah. for, like, sexual deviancy or whatever with, like, medieval test practices. You know, the witch won't drown or she weighs the same as a duck. But <laughs> very small rocks. <laughs> she turned me into a new. We can't get into a quoting. <laughs> we already we already gone down We've the Mon- Monty Python that. rabbit hole once. But what actually happened is way different. So here's some facts. Okay. All right. The specific witch trials of Salem that most people are familiar of from 1692 to 1693 saw a 
trial and execution of 20 people, 14 women and six men. Okay. Mm-hmm. 19 were hanged, not burned at the stake. This is a huge historical misconception, which I will reveal its like origins later on. But now I want to tell you the history of the Salem Witch Trials. I'm going to give you a little historical context first. As Stephen and I have said many a time, this is the 1600s. Religion is a way of life at this point. Supernatural entities, the, the supernatural was always present. Angels and demons, God and Satan. Um, literary works by authors of the time, such as Cotton Mather, claimed that non-believers in demons did not believe in God or angels by association. So there's a lot of finger-pointing superstitious shit going on mm. at the time, right? Like then, you do. Like, like you do. <laughs> then there are these, these little peoples, these little group of people called the Puritans, right? So the Puritans fled persecution in England, and they came to the Americas, specifically Massachusetts Bay Colony and the rest of New England. Uh, but after a while, the persecution lessened and puritanical emigration slowed, and a merchant class began to develop alongside the Puritans as time goes on. And they don't see eye to eye necessarily. And this is the context that we have Salem. So I mentioned earlier that there's Salem Town and Salem Village, right? Right. Salem Village is separate from Salem Town. They're right next to each other and they hate each other, right? So Salem Village is super conservative. And this is where most of the puritanical belief structures exist. And Salem Town is more like the bigger developed merchant center, blah, blah, blah. Witchcraft has been around in Massachusetts before, and Cotton Mather, the guy I mentioned before, you might have mm-hmm. heard of, he writes about it in his work, Memorial Providences Relating to Witchcrafts and Possessions, published 1689. So, the context of the Salem Witch Trials is you have two towns that hate each other, and religion is super everywhere, and the supernatural is believed to be true and working alongside man negatively and positively so you have this really superstitious atmosphere now the events leading up to the trial are really interesting so in salem village the reverend's name is samuel paris and one day in february of 1692 two of his young girls have epileptic fits, seemingly beyond natural disease. They freaked out. They start throwing shit. They're speaking in strange demonic voices. They contorted their bodies. You know, like, all the horror bullshit. Right. And they complained that they had pains similar to acute stabbing or pinpricks all over their body. And pretty soon throughout Salem Village... Other girls began to exhibit these symptoms. And because of the nature of these sort of supernatural kind of ailments that they have, uh, people automatically begin to 
to suspect the supernatural, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's who you blame first. It's the devil, it's the demons, it's Satan, right. it's Lucifer, all of it. So, <laughs> right out the fucking gate, three women are accused and interrogated. Their names are Sarah Good, a homeless beggar, Sarah Osborne, a remarried woman, and a slave named Tituba. And they're all three sent to jail and interrogated. Now, these three women are obvious are obvious social outcasts, right? Right. The divorced woman, the homeless homeless woman, and the slave. Right. They're the people who don't really belong. They're seen as social pariahs in the town. And they were super easy to blame. And they got the blame, obviously. And this is where the shitstorm kind of begins. So there are family feuds between the towns and they just erupt. Names begin to fly of possible suspicion of witchcraft, knowing now that the mere accusation leads to arrest. Right. Right. So one woman named Martha Corey was accused solely for voicing skepticism. And this opened all the doors. (laughs) Nice. Right? She was like, maybe we should take a moment. Uh, Maybe you're a fucking witch, bitch. She's a witch. (laughs) Get up. But what was important about Martha Corey is she was an upstanding churchgoer. So now anyone could be accused. Wow. Everybody's head had a target on them now. Because the first three women were undesirables. But now you're starting to realize that if you have a feud with somebody, you could claim that they're a witch. And because you accuse them, somebody's going to listen. Right. For example, Sarah Good, the homeless beggar I told you about, her four-year-old daughter was brought in for questioning. And the testimony that they got from her was used as a confession against her mother. They Brendan Dassied this little girl. She was four (laughs) years old. She didn't know what she was saying. But they used it as a confession that her mother was a witch. (laughs) In March, four more women were accused. In April, 20 more people, including men, were accused and arrested. One of them was the Reverend George Burroughs of Salem Town. He was accused of speaking with the devil. So this is interesting, right? So you have this feud between these two towns, Salem Village and Salem Town. And the Reverend of Salem Village is the one whose daughters started this. And you have the Reverend of Salem Town, the merchant part of town, arrested and being accused of a witch. 36 more arrests were made against possible witches, and they were all brought in and questioned in Salem Village, not Salem Town, right? So, little spoiler, <laughs> Reverend George Burroughs of Salem Town, the one who was brought in for questioning, he, he gets the chop. He dies. Nice. He gets nice. accused of being a witch, and they execute him. They execute a lot more people, but on his Day of execution. They're about to hang him, right? He's up Mm -hmm. there at the gallows and he recites the Lord's Prayer. This is something nobody thought witches were able to do and would completely exonerate him. But they went went ahead with it anyway. (laughs) 
We already got this far. Yeah, right. Why not? So so you start to understand how much of a sham these trials really become and how it's oh, for such sure. hysteria. So the trials begin in June, and uh, June also saw the beginnings of the executions. So the trials were held in front of a grand jury. Quick, quick turnover. <laughs> oh, the quickest. <laughs> so trials were held in front of a grand jury, and they went as to be expected, right? The first case was for a woman named Bridget Bishop. She was deemed as not living a Puritan lifestyle because she wore black clothes. Nice. This was the evidence against her, and she was immediately convicted and executed several days later. Wow. And this is just how it went on. People were either found guilty or tortured until they pled guilty. An extreme case of this was a farmer named Giles Corey. I think I'm saying that right. He was a 71-year-old man. He was a farmer from Salem, and he refused to plea. So in order to get a plea from him pleading guilty, the court enacted this torture called Penforte et Dur. Do you know what Penforte et Dur is, Stephen? No, tell me. It's where you would lay a man on a stump on his back shirtless and then you would pile stones on his chest until he could no longer breathe giles Corey spent two days in this torture and he died without ever pleading so here's where you have sort of the um sort of dark ages kind of torture that you might associate with the salem witch trials but this is really the most extreme case and really the only case and he he holds his plea because he knows he's innocent and he but he knows he's going to die so he might as well die an innocent man right right so let me present um some of the evidence used in these trials total bullshit total circumstance so there's three main types of evidence right the first one is called spectral evidence and <laughs> This is when the afflicted could claim that they saw a shadow or a specter of the one who put the curse on them, following them around, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't really prove it, and you can't really deny it. And it's one of those things where if spectral evidence is brought up against you, then you're fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, And this is how these all these kind of evidences went. Another one is called the touch test. So I told you about how the afflicted... Sorry, it just sounds like bullshit. The touch test? Oh, the touch test, Stephen. So as I mentioned earlier, Stephen, the afflicted would throw these somewhat epileptic fits, right? And the one who caused it was said to be able to touch the victim and they would stop. So they would bring in somebody while they were having the epileptic fit and they would put their hands on them. And if the afflicted stopped, then they knew that was the witch, do you see how this could what? be abused to Wait. get against somebody you dislike? Hold on, explain this explain this to me one more okay, time. Okay, so the touch test is the people who were bewitched, who were cursed, yeah. they threw these epileptic fits, right? They were right, sure. floating around. And they brought in the accused witch to put their hands on the afflicted person. And, and if the person stopped stop them. If they stopped throwing the fit, then they knew that that was the the witch who put the spell on them. So you, so, you, so you pay off Susie down the block to act like a crazy person, and then you bring in the accused, put her hands on her, and she stops. Exactly. Wow. 
So another form of evidence was like shit they just did or found that they thought was strange. So like I told you how Bridget Bishop was uh, condemned because she wore black clothes and that was evil and fucking shit, right? But there's also cases of finding puppets or horoscopes or natural herbs used for rituals. Um, you have cilantro in your in your pantry. You're a witch. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> um, and the last method, which I'm probably not going to get too into, is called witch cake. <laughs> and it's this crazy shit where they made a cake out of piss. And they, f- I swear to you, Steven, and they fed the cake to a dog. <laughs> and if the dog ate it, it would hurt the witch, and they knew it was a witch, and I swear to God, that's what it was. Holy shit. Oh my god, I love medieval and post-medieval torture so much, and like trials and shit. Oh god, it's the best. So, it, it's total butt. It's total pseudo-history, pseudo-science, pseudo-anything. And the aftermath is that 20 people died, right? None were burned at the stake, as... A lot of people would think. And most of these people died, historians agree, because of political motivations. As I mentioned before, there were huge family feuds and overall distrust between the town and village of Salem. People fucking hated each other. Sure. Another thing that this aided to was this mass religious fucking hysteria. This, like, sent the entire world in a frenzy of hate against this town because... Everybody knew this was bullshit, and the Puritans got a fucking super bad rap for it. A lot of people claim that this event was the end of a possible theocracy in the Americas. Everyone was literally what the fucking around. Even contemporarily, in 1695, just a few years after, actions were taken against those who held the trials, and the families of the accused were reimbursed, and the status of those witches were reinstated. Because a lot of the accused were excommunicated and buried in shallow graves, unmarked. So the yeah. government stepped in and was like, fuck this shit. Yeah. So that's the history of the witch trials. And it's a lot more tame, I would say, than the popular history. So a lot of things to take away from this is the idea of the witch being sort of a middle-aged to older sexual deviant kind of a woman do you know what i mean like a a lot of the the mythology is that they were luring children to like rape them or or men to like rape them or like kill them and do them for like eat them or whatever blah 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 not true (laughs) these are people who wore black clothes right they went on down to old hot topic got themselves a brand new adventure time t-shirt and then (laughs) they were put on trial and hanged yeah, they're Jinko jeans. Oh my <laughs> god, the Jinko jeans. <laughs> they deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> I got a pair of those somewhere. Oh. We all do. We all do. <laughs> there, there were no burnings at the stake. Uh, the reason this was like super popularized in media, even at the time, is the history of witch burnings in Europe very commonly ended with burning at the stake right mm-hmm. and the reporting of this event was super sensationalized right and people were telling it like you know they just rounded up all the women and burned them at the stake and this kind of was a lasting legacy 
of the Salem Witch Trials. Like, nobody read the actual court documents. They just heard that women were killed because they were witches. And they let their imaginations run fucking wild, right? Right. And another big thing was this didn't even take place in modern-day Salem, Massachusetts. So Salem Village is modernly known as Danvers, Massachusetts, and it's it's next to Salem. So, <laughs> like, you go to Salem, Massachusetts, and you're like, yeah, witch Ooh. trials, this is fucking the, a the history. place. I can, I can, feel, can you just feel the, the energy here? Do you feel the like, hocus do, pocus? Do you feel the energy? <laughs> do you feel the Bette Midler? <laughs> um, if you listen real closely you can you can almost hear exactly exactly it's it's not hello even... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay so the re- the reason we all have these misconceptions about the salem witch trial is of course you can chalk it up to media popular media being sort of like pre-newspaper reporting sort of town spreading and a lot of uh like academic papers were written on this um then you have the greater dissemination through the 1700s and the 1800s salem became sort of famous for the witch trials of course you have the crucible by arthur miller and you have a bunch of other mm. sort of media works and it just keeps getting blown up because they they want to increase the gruesomeness of this event to ensure that it doesn't happen again do you know what i mean so the more right, that right. they disseminate this non-factual sort of cross-burning devil magic sort of thing that in the more fantastic it gets the more ridiculous it gets it's pretty fucking ridiculous on its own but this was a reaction to puritanical christian doctrine and it was all it was politically motivated in some ways you know they wanted to kind of secularize this whole fucking shit but, I mean, it, it's lasted. I mean, we think of Salem right now, and we mm-hmm. think about a bunch of women floating around on broomsticks, fucking throwing fireballs at, you know, right. fucking pilgrims who are throwing axes and shit at them. You know what I mean? Right, right. And then tying them up and burning them at the stake. Didn't happen. You know, like, a fourth of the people who were executed as witches were men. And that's something you almost never see in a media depiction of the Salem witch trials, you know? One right. of them was the goddamn reverend of the town next door. <laughs> That's not fishy at all. That's not fishy at all. Um, so anyway, that is the history, the real bad history of the Salem Witch Trials, juxtaposed to yeah. the image that we sort of have, the, the Halloween spooky yeah. next next week on ABC Family. It's 14 days of Halloween or whatever some bullshit number days of Halloween where we're showing Hocus Pocus every goddamn night. The Salem Witch Trials were totally spooky. You know, where th- right. this is like the the crazy sort of media blend of bullshit and depravity that happened in Salem and which right. is crazy to me because the actual trials themselves were just as crazy were just as fucking crazy right. Stephen witch cake they would make <laughs> a woman piss into a cake and feed it to a dog and if it right. hurt her when he ate it she's a witch <laughs> yeah dude it's like so witch trap is crazy and I I know a decent amount about this um i took a really really cool class my senior year of college called medieval popular culture culture in the middle e- middle ages and it was all about it was pretty much focused on like the working supernatural there, Steven, working those middle ages dude i got to man well i mean you're not far off you're 100 years after the middle ages and like 
relatively speaking, um, the post like it was like the late medieval ages into the post medieval ages was like when all the like the spooky shit was happening, right? Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, so I said so this class is popular culture in the Middle Ages with a, with a focus on the supernatural. So we talked about ghosts and we talked about we talked about religion a lot and we talked about the last like third of class was all about witchcraft. And so it's just like it's insane the things they that that people thought witches were doing. Oh yeah. Like, so you talked about the sexual deviant thing, right? Yeah. With, they thought witches were sexual deviants. And one of the big ideas was that you were, you were kind of conjuring up a, a devil. And when we say devil, we don't mean Satan or Lucifer. Those are, when you say devil, there's lots of different devils. There's one Satan. There's one Lucifer fallen angel. But like, when you say devil, you're, there's lots of different devils. Um, so these, 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 you know, women were conjuring up the devil to have sex with them. Right. <laughs> and like, that was like what they thought, witches did was to have sex with the devil. And like, you went into an unholy union with the devil and like the devil would just like chill with you. Steven, and you know where the, um, witches broom came from? Where? What? So, um, witches or sort of like, uh, like potion making crazy spinster ladies of the middle ages, what mm-hmm. they would do is they would make this like hallucinogenic salve, right? And, uh, they would apply it to, um, like a place on their body where it would get into the bloodstream really quickly. So what they would do is they would rub it on a broomstick and then they would sit on the broomstick. If you catch nice. my drift nice. and the hallucinogen would have a quick reaction and, and go through the bodies and they would pretend like they were flying around on this broomstick cause they were high out of their minds. <laughs> and that's like where this image of yeah. them flying around on broomsticks came from. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I didn't know that. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I think like, and this isn't anything like out of the ordinary or like not out of the ordinary, but this isn't, this isn't anything that like isn't unknown. That's like a historical misconception, but like a lot of th- these things were like what we would call like, you know, uh, psychological problems that people had. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they blame it up, blame it on witchcraft. And, um, I, I, you know, that's something we kind of just kind of know now it's not a historical misconception, but I mean, it's just like, you know, you, you, you read some of the, the, like the primary source documentation we have about witchcraft, and most of it takes place, like I said, in the late medieval to post medieval age. Um, it's just insane. It's like I can't even begin to describe it. It's it's absolutely outrageous what people thought. Yeah, we have like medical. Ghosts. We have like medical sort of explanations for all these things, like these oh, fits yeah. oh, that yeah. these kids were throwing, and it was spreading. Was like a seizure inducing toxin or something in the area that they right. gotten into. You know what I mean? Right. It's like something in the water or something. And <laughs> the Jews, they poison the well. <laughs> it's gotta be the Christians, man. Those damn Christians. Well, anyway, that is the fucking bad history. Salem witch trials edition. Yeah. And now Steven, well, I think it's time for you to hit the mic. So play that music. All right, so Dave. Yeah. The historical misconception that 
I am going to be talking about today has to do with a few years before yours. Yeah. About uh, 1,600 years before yours. (laughs) Um, I am going to be talking about the infamous Emperor Nero of the Roman Empire. Specifically, what I'm going to be talking about, the historical misconception I'm going to be talking about is this kind of infamous tale that I know I was told in ninth grade was the first time I heard it, that during the great Roman fire, that Emperor Nero sat in a tower with his with his lyre and played and sang and watched Rome burn. Have you heard of this? Oh yeah, he he fiddled and he laughed. Right, and he danced as Rome burned. Right, and so and along with that, there's this there's this idea that that Nero was the one who started the fire. Is now there? I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's not as widely known as the Nero played the played the played his lyre while Rome burned. Burn. I think it's Nero played the fiddle, but the fiddle wasn't invented until the 10th century. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's but it's 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 a lyre is kind of more close to what he actually had. Um, but there is this kind of myth that goes along with it that he was the one that actually sent fire to Rome, and I can tell you right now, Dave that those are completely untrue. Yeah. Both on both levels those are completely untrue. Nero did not set fire to the city of Rome and Nero was did not play the lyre while Rome burned. In fact, Nero wasn't even in the same city. Uh but I'll I'll get to that. So this fire, the 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 great fire, great Roman fire, it actually happened. Uh did Nero start it? No. Was he playing the lyre while it was all going down? Possibly, but it wasn't like he was actually in even in Rome. Um, he was he was actually like th- like fifty one kilometers away from Rome in a different city. Um, but I kind of want to talk about Nero before we get into what actually went down. Uh, Dave, you know about Nero, right? Yeah, you've heard, yeah. Of, you've heard of this guy. He's one of the most infamous emperors in Rome, and he's actually—I mean, he, he, he's definitely infamous, but he's definitely one of the most famous too. He's one of the when he's when you when you talk about like kind of the the, the Roman Empire, you think about you think about uh, Julius Caesar, you think about um, Octavian, you think about Nero, you think about Caligula, you think about you know you, there there's there's a group of of emperors that you think about. Nero is definitely one of them. Um, so he was emperor for honestly, not that long of a time period. He's emperor from 54 AD to 68 AD. Um, and, uh, and, and the, you know, he's, he's really kind of famous cause he's, he's kind of thought to be crazy. Right. Yeah. Uh, he, there's and, like two lists, right? Two lists right. of Roman emperors. You got the good ones and the bad ones. And like the Nero's at the, the top of the bad and, ones. And the bad ones are like really bad. Yeah. Um, but it's weird because Nero's got this kind of like really bad reputation about him and like it's deserved. Don't get me wrong. It's definitely deserved, but it's not like he, he didn't do good things for the city of Rome too. And I think that's kind of where you have like two groups of bad emperors. You have the bad emperors who didn't do anything for Rome, and you have the bad emperors who were, did a bunch of really shady and bad shit, but they also did a lot of really good stuff for Rome. Um, Nero was in the group where he did good stuff for Rome. Um, he was just kind of crazy. Uh, but, um, he 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 took the he took the throne and throne and when he was around sixteen or seventeen, so pretty young. Uh, definitely definitely kind of not developed yet. You know what I mean? He's definitely he's definitely still a a, a teenager. He's not developed. Yet. 
<laughs> Give him a few I, years, he'll be good to go. He'll be a strapping young lad. Uh, <laughs> no, but he, he he's still very much kind of like a juvenile. And so because of this, he's got a lot of people that surround them the surround him right he's got a lot of people that are trying to kind of really put their two cents in and one of those is Nero's mother Agrippina who uh is kind of this really power hungry woman who doesn't really give a shit about Nero she just kind of sees an opportunity uh he ends up killing her he ends up having her poisoned oh nice and yeah uh he ends up kind of ordering the deaths of lots of people. Anyone, pretty much anyone who stands in his way or anyone who's seen as a liability, he has killed, including uh, any any competition, including the kind of the, 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 the chicks that he, he's with and then ends things with. He usually has them killed. Um, he, I mean, he was just like very, that was the kind of ruler he was. You know what I mean? Like he was, he was ruthless. He was heartless. He, he just didn't care. Yeah. Um, but but something else that's really interesting about him that I don't think a lot of people know about him is that he had this really love and passion for the performing arts, particularly singing and theater. And so theater around this time period, uh, it theaters, you know, it's made kind of popular in Greece and then Rome kind of borrows it and it becomes really famous in Rome. And uh, Nero loves it. Nero loves theater. And this is really weird because actors in in these in these companies at people who did theater these actors were seen as like the lowest level of society yeah they were you like know, slave level you know right yeah i mean they, they were they were on par with slaves they weren't slaves but they were on par with slaves do you know why actors were on why? par with slaves because the the whole idea was that you couldn't trust them you oh, couldn't yeah, trust yeah. them because they were they were living a lie their whole life they were they were playing characters they were playing other people so you couldn't trust them and so, and this is like this is something that ha- that that survives well, well into, um, you know, even through the Middle Ages. Like this is like an idea that sticks with all of history is that you can't trust actors, um, which is which is really kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but Nero, but Nero loves it. He loves performing in theaters, and he actively did that. He actively performed in public, uh, public uh, plays, and he sang in public. All of these things. And that kind of really tarnished his image for the Roman people because they saw him as like, this is the rep- the Roman emperor and he's doing these things and it's like embarrassing. So that's kind of something interesting, also interesting about Nero that I just kind of wanted to include. Um, so, so Nero was a crazy guy, but I'm going to try to convince you now that he didn't start the fire in Rome. Okay. Uh, but- <laughs> he was a total pyromaniac, but yeah, yeah. he didn't do this one. <laughs> So the great fire of Rome happened either on the 18th or 19th of July in the year 64 AD. Um, and it st- it lasted for six days before it was finally put out. It lasted for a really, really long time. And the reason that it was so devastating and it lasted for so long was kind of a mix of things. First of all, it happened in, you know, a very hot month. It happened in July. Um, it was very, very windy which definitely wasn't good. And it also the place that it started in and primarily happened in was really, really not good. Um, it happened in the circus Maximus and, uh, which is, which is, uh, you know, where like a lot of shops are and a lot of people live, lived over there. So it happened, uh, it started in this, in these near these shops that, uh, sold primarily very flammable things like clothes, um, you know, <laughs> down in the old shit flammable like district. <laughs> yeah. 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 The flam the flammable district, the fire district. 
but also right near there were these very, very cramped apartments because Rome expanded so rapidly that it kind of built on itself, right? And so it, everything was just very, very cramped. And so the, it was just like, you know, the, the fire just spread so easily there and ended up destroying three out of the 14 districts in Rome. Damn. And Rome is huge. And it only has 14 districts, and it just destroyed three of them. So it's a very, very large area. Um, so we have kind of three different accounts of this fire. We have uh, Tacitus, which I'm going to be kind of referring to. Uh, I'm going to use kind of the Tacitus interpretation. Okay. Cassius Dio is another um, another interpretation. And Suetonius uh, is the third uh, kind of primary source we have. Tacitus has the most in-depth version of it also pliny the elder who's a really really famous roman scholar we have a lot of primary sources from him it's a really good he beer briefly... named after that guy pliny the elder yeah <laughs> um the he briefly mentions it and we we kind of think that he wrote a lot about it and it was lost like we just don't have it anymore but tacitus wrote a lot about it and um so yeah so he describes it starting in circus maximus um and it uh it happened in this very compact area and and it just you know there is no way it could be contained there wasn't large stretches of like field there wasn't big open palaces where it could kind of die off it was just very contained compacted areas where it just spread like crazy um and so tacitus really directly references the rumors that nero had started this fire and that nero was singing and playing the lyre while rome was burning and he says really upfront and directly that these are all rumors. These are all rumors started started about Nero to kind of destroy his credibility. Um, and in reality, uh, Nero was, was in Antium, which is 51 kilometers away from Rome. He's not even near the city when this happens. And so when he heard about this news, he quickly sped back to Rome. He got there and throughout, he, 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 he helped directly to put out the fire he helped directly to rescue people to find people who were lost and then in the palace he housed uh anyone who was kind of displaced by the fire mm. so, so and then also such a bad guy I guess. well yeah and on top of this he out of pocket paid for repairs for firefighting stuff um for all this thing he 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 paid for it out of pocket he didn't use kind of the the roman uh bank to do it the roman treasury um so this is kind of what i'm saying is nero was crazy there's no doubt about it he was he was he was mentally unstable um he was ruthless he was he didn't care but he wasn't a bad emperor you know what I mean? Like he wasn't like he didn't do things for the benefit of Rome. He he did. He cared about Rome. He cared about preserving the city. He just he had a very warped sense of how to do it. Mm. But this is an instance where he really did try to help. And I think this is the first indication, the first kind of clue that he didn't start this fire. Um if if he if he did all this just to make himself look good, that's a lot to go through. He you know, it ended up costing him more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Than than just like a PR stunt. Um so so he he did a lot to help the people displaced and to kind of help build up the the uh, the the city again. And in fact, he went away when it went went in it uh such a way that uh kind of prevented helped prevent the fires from breaking out again. And so one one thing that he did was he rebuilt the homes using all brick. 
and he kind of did like really wide streets and and wider alleyways so the fires would have a hard time spreading um you know he they the city was kind of rebuilt in a way that would prevent fires from happening like this again so i want to kind of directly address these rumors so that's kind of the overview of what happened right that's what tacitus accounts um and that's what most scholars kind of look at and so like why do we still have these rumors then why do we think that nero was playing in the lyre and singing in a tower while he, while Rome was burning. Um, and a lot of this has to do with that it's easy to blame the emperor. Yeah. It's easy to blame Nero because we know he was crazy. We know he killed a lot of people. We know he was a nut job. So, so it's really easy to kind of t- attach these rumors to him. Um, but but there but there's no real evidence uh, of this. There's no real evidence that he was that he ever did anything like this. There's no real evidence that he that he paid someone off to start these fires or anything like that. Um, also, and this is something that's really interesting. And then and this is uh, I was watching kind of completely unrelated to this. I think yesterday. Uh, have you heard of CPG Gray Gray? No, the YouTube channel. CPG uh-uh. Gray. Okay, so this is it's this YouTube channel, and he does a lot of. Um, they're kind of like like I I I use some of them for 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 when I was teaching. Um, when I'm teaching, they're like just videos that kind of cover these topics. Like he has one on the electoral college. He has one on uh, how gerrymandering works, like stuff like that. They're very entertaining. Um, he has one. Uh, I think it was, I think it was it was talking about historical misconceptions actually. And he he keeps referring to the fact that all these rumors were started or per, were persisted by artists and by painters and by storytellers because it makes for a more interesting painting. It makes for a more interesting story if Nero was playing the lyre and watching Rome burn. Yeah. And we have like some crazy art of this. We have crazy art of Nero chilling and watching Rome just burn to the ground. It is pretty um, metal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, they sell paintings, right? It's this rumor that's there, but it's kind of persisted by the artists and by the storytellers and by people who want to believe that. So so this is this is kind of a rumor. It's a historical misconception that he 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 ever had anything to do with this. And um and so yeah, so that that's my historical misconception that uh that Nero in fact did not start the fire in Rome and he was not in fact playing the Lear one watching Rome burn. Well, thanks for clearing that up, Stephen. Yeah, you're welcome, Dave. Because uh, I like fully believe that he was fiddling and giggling, yeah. slapping his knee on his old his old rocking yeah. chairs. He was watching Rome burn. He was like, hey, hey, hey. fuck no. those guys. Yeah, no. He wasn't even in the city. That's what, that's what we, I mean, most, most modern historians don't think that he was in the city. They don't think he had anything to do with it. Um, also kind of another fact to add to the, add to the, to the pile is that this happened two days after a full moon. Um, so there was no the fucking werewolves the did it, dude. Right. The werewolves did it, man. The werewolves. Um, so, but it's a very common time period for arsonists to start fires because there's no moon out. So it's completely dark out. Uh, so it's very, very possible. It was an arsonist who did it and just like, you know, um, but Nero did blame the Christians that, that happened. Uh, when, when the blames, <laughs> when the blame started to started to be directed to him, he kind of put it on the Christians, uh, that, that did happen. Sorry, Nero can't defend you there. Um, 
And I want to say, I'm not saying Nero was a good guy because he wasn't. Um, he had his mother killed. He had lots and lots of people killed. But I'm, I'm just saying, he didn't start the fire. He wasn't that It was always burning. Psychotic. It was always burning. Um, now, Caligula, Caligula did appoint a horse to the Senate. That did happen. If you, if we want to talk about crazy Roman emperors, Caligula is up there. Well, we've appointed a few, uh, few jackasses ourselves. If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get political, but <laughs> but dude, good scrolls all around. I good would say. scrolls to you. Good scrolls to me. Yeah. yeah. Good scrolls to you, listeners, for sitting through it because. That's a fucking accomplishment in and of itself. And now, yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to listen to some fucking bullshit for like a minute. I'm a sorry, minute. I've gotten it down to like a science. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, kind of wrap things up. First of all, before we do any of that, Dave, we gotta we gotta talk about the topic for next week. Steven, what's yeah. topic for next week? Next week, we are going to be talking about underappreciated people in history so what what i mean by that is people who did something super significant or something really important to a historical uh a historical event that get no recognition unsung heroes unsung heroes of history world history unsung heroes of history i like it all right um so that's gonna be next week so be looking forward to that i'm looking forward to it uh but real quick let's i'm gonna do talk about some stuff real quick you gotta Um, hype them up just to bring them down. I'm, it's if it's not my fault that they're being brought down. Yeah, it is. Nah, dude, keep the hype rolling. So I want to real quick talk uh, talk about this podcast. Um, not not our podcast, different podcast. Um, I'm done talking about our podcast. I know. <laughs> um, mo- movie date night is a podcast that we've talked about before. They were, they suggested the topic last week. Uh, about the historical couples and they they gave us a really really nice shout out on I think their latest episode it's the episode they did about death proof and so i kind of wanted to sing their praises real quick and say that everyone should go take a listen to them so it's this uh it's this podcast it's uh it's it's got two hosts and what they do is um they talk about a different movie every week and they kind of like break it down and if you really, if you're in like a, uh, if you really like movies, like we both love movies, we talk about it all the time. Then you'll really like this podcast. But they gave us a really nice shout out um, and talked about us for a few minutes actually, which is really really cool. Um, at the end of their last episode, hey guys, death. let's collab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We totally should. I think that'd be awesome. Um, we both love movies, and they're actually both they were both history majors in college, which is really cool. So um, we should definitely figure something out. But thank you guys again. Thank you, Movie Date Night, for giving us a shout out. That was really, really awesome of you guys. And um, you know, hopefully we could collab. That'd be awesome. I'd be down for that. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of you know give them a shout out real quick because uh, that was really cool of them. But let's do some plugs real quick, shall we, Dave? Let's do it. Uh, so we are on iTunes. That's kind of where we get mo- where most people actually listen to us. I looked at the stats yesterday of mo- where you know the platforms people download from the most, and that's iTunes is up there. Um, so we're on iTunes. You can download us there. You can subscribe to us there. You can rate don't. and review us. Um, don't do that. 
We are on uh, Stitcher. We're on Stitcher. That's another big one. You can listen to us there. We uh, you can find us at badhistorypodcast.podbean.com. Don't. All of our episodes, you can download the MP3 files directly from there, which is pretty cool. Uh, and we are on Facebook and iTunes. Facebook, Bad History Podcast. Type it in, you'll find us. Twitter, we are at Bad History Cast. And Gmail, we have uh, Gmail. You can email us, email us all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, Bad History Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, so that's where we're at. You can find us all on there. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're listening to us somewhere. So you'll, you, you can find us in those other places. Uh, but I think that's it for my plugs. If you have to, send us a suggestion. If it's good, we might say your name. It better be fucking good. Um, also, this is episode 20. So, hooray! Yeah, dude. We didn't really make a big deal out of it, but this is, this is crazy. It's episode 20. We've been doing this shit for minimally 20 weeks. We're going to make a bigger deal out of about 25, though. Yeah, so. I think... I think 25 we've been talking about it uh what we're gonna do we're probably gonna do something pretty big for 25 um so be looking forward to that any anything else steven i think that's it for me man right on well thanks for listening guys i hope you have happy history and good scrolls see you later